Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you are hearing this. Hi, welcome to the Tidbit Podcast. Um, this is Amber, yet again. Um, today is February 29th, a day that only comes every so often. Um, if today is your birthday, by the way, happy birthday, um, whichever one it may be. I saw somebody on TikTok today who said that this is technically her fifth birthday even though she's like over 21 um is biologically in her age I just think that's so funny but also I could see how that would be frustrating she was talking about like how she had issues at the DMV with her license and all that and I was like I cannot even imagine having to deal with that anyways Um, today I want to talk about a couple of different things that I saw throughout the week that just really interested me. Uh, it's not going to be any kind of like big long rant about a specific person or a specific event. Um, this is actually about some things that I've learned about that I've done maybe about five minutes worth of researching, honestly. Um, but even in that five minutes, I did find a lot of information So I'm just going to go through it as best I can. Um, In the Twitter link to this podcast episode, I will have the links to where I found this information. If you hear me sniffling, I apologize. My nose has been running all morning and it's very frustrating. So if you hear that noise, I apologize. So the first thing I want to talk about is thermoforming. Now, if you follow the Tidbit Podcast Twitter page, uh, I retweeted this when I saw it because it was just so satisfying to watch. I literally watched it like 20 different times before I realized that I was watching it 20 different times. But it's this suitcase that's being made using thermoforming and it's so cool you can go look at it on the twitter page it's so satisfying but um thermoforming is used for more than just suitcases that's just the video that i saw so thermoforming is a manufacturing process where a plastic sheet is heated to uh, a temperature where it can be like formed pretty easily um, and then it's usually put in a specific shape through a mold, or they can um, actually, I guess, cut it to create a usable product out of it. Um, but it's heated to a, a high enough temperature to where it can stretch into or onto some kind of mold, and then it's cooled to the finish shape, which is what happens with the suitcase. Um, In its simplest form, a small tabletop or lap-sized machine can be used to heat small sections of a plastic sheet and stretch it over a mold using a vacuum. And uh, this is often used for sample and prototype parts, actually, so I thought that was really, really cool. Um, the machine that I saw them use for the suitcase was obviously a much larger machine than just a tabletop machine. 
but those can do high speed processes and do thousands of finished parts so that's why it's a bigger size So, things that are made using this process are things like suitcases, um, and also aircraft windscreens and uh, even machine gun turret windows apparently are made using this process. So, or at least they use the same basic process. Um, I think for these, like the windscreens and the turret windows, they use um, heavy gauge forming applications that use vacuum only in the form process, although some use two halves of mating form tooling and include air pressure to help form it. I'm not even going to begin to try to explain what all that is because like I said earlier, I've only done about five minutes of research on this. Um, so I don't know everything about what they're talking about, but I'm sure if you Google it, you can absolutely find more info. But um, these heavy gauge parts are often used as cosmetic surfaces on permanent structures. On things like kiosks, automobiles, trucks, medical equipment. Um, fridges, spas, showers, um, electrical equipment. Um, it's different from the thin gauge thermoformed parts, which is what was used to make the suitcase. Um, because heavy gauge parts are often handworked after forming for trimming to the final shape, or if there's any drilling, cutting, and uh, finishing that needs to be done. Now. As far as who invented thermoforming, um, this guy named John Wesley Hyatt, or Hyatt, H-Y-A-T-T, um, discovered the process for making celluloid in the 1860s. Um, celluloid was the first practical artificial plastic. He and his brother actually received a patent for this plastic in 1870 and found that this mixture could be heated in a mold to shape sheets, rods, and other unfinished shapes. Um, and eventually they licensed companies um, to use this method. Now, if we look back in time, the Romans had actually imported tortoise, tortoise shell scoots um that they got from the orient and used hot oil to shape this material into food utensils um so you might can te technically say that the romans had discovered it um since heat forming technically began with them using these tortoise shells but as far as like what we use it for today, that didn't start until um, until like the 1860s. So basically, 
It can be accomplished using pressure and heat, which is the pressure forming, um, the vacuum and the heat, which is vacuum forming, and thin gauge thermoforming. And like I said earlier, these are used for a number of things like aircraft parts, um, car doors and dash panels, medical devices, um, all kinds of stuff for a whole lot of industries in the world. And I just thought that was interesting because I never really thought about how this stuff actually gets made. And when I came across that video, I was like, I've got to know what this is. So uh, there's that. topic um flavored air is something that i had heard about a couple of years ago um i don't remember where i heard it from i think there may have been a video that i might have watched on it but beyond that i'd never really looked into it and then i um i thought of it again a couple of days ago and decided to actually look into it but apparently, um, these things called oxygen bars were introduced to the U.S. in uh, the 90s. And uh, basically what it is, is you go into, um, they refer to it as an oxygen bar. But basically you go in, you pay, um, according to the website I'm looking at, which is onhealth.com. Apparently, you can pay a uh, dollar a minute for about 20 minutes or less. And basically, you smell oxygen through a plastic hole, hose, sorry, through a plastic hose that is inserted into your nostrils. I can, I'm, I've, I've never had to do that before, and the thought of it just makes me uncomfortable, so I'm not even sure if I'd be willing to try this. But apparently, it just it pumps oxygen with a fragrance through your nose. Um, now, as far as like the reason for why this became a thing, um, apparently there is an idea behind it that it's somewhat healthier for you. Um, I do remember that a couple years ago when I first saw this, whatever I saw it from was saying that in countries where pollution is really bad and the air quality is very, very poor, that people would go into these oxygen bars and pay to get um, just air that wasn't, you know, choked in smog or what have you. No, I, I don't know if that's true either. I can't even find the video that I happen to see on it. If you guys can, let me know in the uh, comments on the Twitter page, please. But um, basically, most of these oxygen bars are pretty careful not to make any kind of medical claim. Um, they actually say that their oxygen is not a medical gas, that it's made just for recreational use. But um, the FDA 
says that any type of oxygen used by people for breathing and is administered by another person is considered a prescription drug. Um, and that kind of makes sense because you're actually breathing this into your body. Like, I, I can't imagine having to go get an oxygen tank for someone who can't breathe very well and it not be considered a prescription drug. So that makes sense to me. So technically, oxygen bars that do this without a prescription violate FDA's uh, regulations. Um, The agency pretty much applies regulatory discretion to permit the individual state boards of of licensing to enforce those requirements. Um, So a lot of states allow these, others try to discourage it by having strict compliance with the FDA's regulations and those laws. Um, But basically any kind of serious health claim like arthritis or cancer or AIDS or what have you Um, that would immediately be investigated by the FDA. So people who do this a lot um, apparently talk all about the stress-reducing properties, the energy and alertness they get. They say it can even help with hangovers and headaches or sinus problems um, or just generally relaxing your body. However, there don't seem to be any long-term or well-controlled scientific studies that support those claims. Um, And people with healthy lungs don't really need additional oxygen, according to uh, Mary Perucker. Oh my gosh, I'm so bad at names. I apologize. Um, uh, But this person is a, a pulmonary specialist. Um, And she says that people with healthy lungs don't need additional oxygen. So even if it is flavored, it really doesn't do any kind of actual benefit to your body. And the American Lung Association says that inhaling oxygen at these oxygen bars is unlikely to have a beneficial physiological effect, but adds that there is no evidence that oxygen at the low flow levels used in the bars can be dangerous to a normal person's health. So... While a healthy person does not need additional oxygen, it's not potentially, well, I can't say it's not potentially because there's always a chance, but it's not considered to be harmful to be doing this. Um, now, some people who do need oxygen takes and things like that um, probably shouldn't go to these, to these oxygen bars, um, according to that same, uh, pulmonary specialist that I mentioned earlier. She says people with some types of heart disease, asthma, um, congestive heart failure, hypertension, um, obstructive pulmonary diseases, Um, They need to have their medical oxygen regulated carefully to oxygenate their blood properly. So if they do inhale too much oxygen, they actually can stop breathing. 
So probably not a good idea to try this out if you have any of those conditions. Um, And then some people who have received um, certain types of chemotherapy um, would be in danger of harm if they are exposed to high levels of oxygen for too long. So oxygen is is good, but more than necessary is um, probably not all that great. Just like with anything else, um, you know, a little can be great, but too much is definitely harmful. Let's see. So some of the biggest concerns that the FDA has about oxygen bars is the use of the flavored oxygen, which is what brought me to this topic. So um, this flavor is produced by bubbling oxygen through bottles containing aromatic solutions and then pumping that scent through the hose and into the nostrils. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds like they have like a bottle of air freshener in the back that they're just pumping this air through and then it's going into your lungs. Um, And I can't imagine that's very healthy, considering every time I spray air freshener or Lysol, I want to choke because of um, accidentally breathing it in. Um, And now it says some bars do use oil-free food-grade particles to produce the smell, but others um, use aroma oils. And inhaling these substances can lead to inflammation of the lungs. Um, and even if an oil-free medium is used, the um, how like sterile that the aerosol is can't be guaranteed. Um, so you could accidentally inhale an allergen or an irritant that uh, could cause you to wheeze. Um, or even live contaminants such as bacteria and other pathogens that can then lead to infections. Um also smoking anywhere near the oxygen can be extremely dangerous um so some oxygen bars are actually located in health spots and other facilities that don't even allow smoking however others have been found in nightclubs or casinos where smoking is very common um in addition to that fire hazard there's also the oils which are also a fire hazard so um Improper maintenance of the equipment presents a potential danger um, because some use clay filters, which can um, grow microorganisms that can cause infections if they are not changed regularly. And oxygen cylinders can be hazardous if they are stored on their sides and not kept in a well-ventilated area. There's a lot that goes on with this that makes it sound like not a great idea to go to one of these places like um and I mean I I guess you could say it's the same as like if you really look into what goes on in fast food restaurants or restaurants in general or in stores or in factories and plants that there there's always a risk of someone not doing their job right or someone not knowing the proper procedures or the risks of what everything is and it can cause you harm in the end to me it's just almost like it's not 
it's not worth it considering it's not something that's actually going to benefit you. It feels like to me you're basically going in to, to smell an air freshener is what it sounds like. Even though it's oxygen still, but it doesn't sound like it's really worth much beyond saying that you've gone and done it. I just, based off of this website, it doesn't seem like it's a very beneficial thing to do. So, um, that's pretty much all that this article says. Again, I'll have it linked on the Twitter page. You can go through and read it yourself. Um, maybe one of y'all can tell me how to um, say that specialist's name. I feel horrible for probably mispronouncing it, and I hate I hate when people mispronounce my name, and I definitely hate it when I do other the people that way, too, so um, I do apologize for that. So, um, yeah, that's a couple of things that I found interesting this past week. Um, something that I have a question about for you all. Um, I've always been hyper aware of how I eat things. Um, one of those things that I'm hyper aware about is the order in which I eat things. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to leave a comment on the Twitter page. Um telling me if you do the same thing or if you just do it a totally different way so I find that when I am eating I will eat what I like least in the meal and then save what I like the best as the last part of my meal so like if I'm eating let's say um uh chicken and rice with you know maybe some vegetables on the side I'll probably eat the majority of the vegetables before I really dig into the chicken and the rice because that's what I like the best and there's other weird things that I do when I eat that I I know they are not normal and I'll probably talk about those in a future episode but leave a comment on the twitter page um tidbit podcast on twitter do you do the same thing? Do you use a different method? Do you do the opposite? Do you not care what order you eat things in? Do you just mix it all together? I'm curious and I just want to know if I am alone in the weird way that I eat my food. Um, so that'll be it for today's episode. Thank you for popping in. Um, if you'd like me to talk about any other uh subjects or topics leave comments on the uh, twitter page uh you can tag me in things on the twitter page as well um and i will look into them there's also a link where you can leave voice message suggestions um that should be on the twitter page as well so if you want to send those in um you can if you would like for them to be used in a future episode Uh, let me know in that voice message if you do not want it to be used in a future episode you just want me to hear what you have to say let me know that at the beginning of your voice message um, and I will definitely respect that Um, all right so I'm going to head out now 
Thanks for listening. Hope you have a wonderful week. Hopefully I will see you next Saturday. Bye.